Welcome to Jokerman Podcast. Welcome back to Jokerman Podcast. I don't I don't have this spiel down because I just started saying it. This is usually your this is usually your bit, Evan. I'm Ian. <laughs> yeah, you're Ian. I'm Evan. Welcome to Jokerman. Welcome back. And today we have a guest, and it's musician Pearl Charles. Hello. Hello. We're very pleased to have you. Today's a very special uh, another back of the movies episode. The movie Joker- run continues. Jokerman's just been nothing but at the movies for for how long now several episodes all of december that's just uh you know we're hanging out inside it's cold out uh you know we're just we're just watching the silver screen at home it's the time of the season exactly and pearl you're you're literally sitting by a roaring fire yeah i mean i live out in joshua tree half the time so it gets real cold out here I learned that the hard way a couple years ago, my friends and I did uh, like a New Year's Eve, like, or not, what was it, December, I think we camped in Joshua Tree December 30th, um, and we were like, oh, you know, it's the desert, it'll be, it'll be fine, you know, it'll be a little breezy in the evening, but, you know, we'll, we'll just like throw on a sweatshirt, it'll be fine, it was not, was not fine at all, it was one of the most miserable nights I think any of us have ever spent. You fool. It's cold out there. It, there's extreme weather out here. For sure, of all of all types, hot, cold, wind, you name it, we got it. And and thunder? Would you, is there thunder there? Nah, that's yet. That's a stretch too far. I'm sorry. What a segue. Uh, <clears throat> we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about the Rolling Thunder review movie uh, by Martin Scorsese, and uh, it's from 2019. 2019. This is a. a documentary in air quotes of sorts yeah of sorts exactly it's a bob dylan story as the uh as the the subtitle uh refers to it it's like all those new star wars spinoffs where it's like a star wars story right exactly it takes place in the bob dylan uh, extended universe but isn't necessarily canon um or part of the main story arc uh so pearl what is what's your background i mean before we really get into the movie like have you always been like a big bob head uh is this something that's always been near and dear to you and uh then i guess we can just talk about i don't know what do you, what do you think of the rolling thunder thing just as it is before we talk about this film <laughs> great question and the answer is yes i mean both my parents loved dylan who doesn't really but you know pretty intimately i think they both were big fans so I listened a lot when I was a kid. Um, I think my favorite album when I was little was Blood on the Tracks, Lily Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts. That was just my, that was my jam. Hell yeah. That's a great um, favorite song to have like when you're little, right? Cause it really is like a, per- like it's sort of like a story, uh, you know, kind of a storybook song. It's awesome. Exactly. So that really resonated with me, but you know, as time has gone on, it's just like, I love the whole, the lore and, um, yeah, so always been a big fan. And, you know, when you asked me what we should chat about, I mentioned that you guys have talked about a lot of my favorite things. Desire definitely being my favorite album, which I know is kind of can be a weird choice, but it just right. really resonates with me. Hell yeah. What what about uh, Desire resonates with you? In, or is it, uh, do you have like a favorite song on Desire? Is it just kind of like the overall ambiance of the time and era? I think that's really what it is. And just, well, you know, in Rolling Thunder, that accompanying it kind of made it like the mystical thing that it is. And I don't know right. why 
Emmy Lou Harris wasn't part of the tour, but I know she sings on the album, and like that's super awesome for me, being yeah. a oh, yeah. big hers and and all that. So that's part Hell of yeah. it. That's great. Yeah, it. Uh, I mean, the the tour and the record, I think, kind of go hand in hand. It's like all like one sort of thing, basically, um, and really sort of like lightning, lightning in a bottle. Like it, this this whole thing, like kind of came up out of nowhere all of a sudden. I think in the summer of '75, and then it was like pretty much just completely blown to bits. Certainly, like within a year, uh, as we've covered before with the second leg of Rolling Thunder, the bad, the the brown acid version. Um, but, uh, yeah, this, uh, this motion picture, the Bob Dylan story, uh, a Bob is, Dylan uh, story, a Bob Dylan story, excuse me, a Bob one Dylan of many, story. one of, yeah, exactly, uh, is, uh, is not focused on the brown acid, bad vibes version. It's focused on the, uh, the good time, uh, cocaine in the pinky nail. Uh, everyone's having a great time packed in the bus driving around the Northeast version. Somebody uh, like replied to a tweet of ours saying like, well, wh I don't get it. What do you like? So somebody like didn't understand that there was a, he has a Coke nail. Like somebody else had p replied to us showing a close up of his nail and some hapless uh, Dylan fan was like, well, what am I looking at? The end of a harmonica here? And I didn't really have the nerve to, just, I didn't want to be like, well, it's a Coke nail. <laughs> Don't break his heart. Yeah. He thought he was sober. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, you gotta, there's you a gotta, lot of cocaine on that tour. That is for sure. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, just like yes. the eye, we'll get into it, but the, the mm -hmm. eye action, the eyeballs, that Co you see cocaine in this eyes. Movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the faces that they like make at each other when they're singing and they're, they throw oh. their heads back, wide eyes. Don't, don't even it. get me so, like the, we, I, we might as well just start talking about the film. Why don't you... Uh... There it is. Does that mean it's time to start talking? <laughs> that means it's time to start talking, exactly. That's, uh, that's, that's the official uh, ring the bell. Now we're, in, now we're into it. Now, now all of the, the formalities out of the way. Now we can just get, uh, get into it. So this movie, uh, I think it took a little bit of time for it to dawn on everyone. Like, what exactly is going on here because when it was first announced and released i think everybody was just like well it's a this is gonna be something like no direction home the other scorsese uh dylan doc which is a straightforward right. if artist a bit you know it has a artistic leanings i mean it's just very well done and of course there's that like snappy scorsese editing and great timing for music but this is um, this is not exactly that, and it's kind of like sneakily not that, and I think watching it this time, I was like, wow, this is really not a regular documentary at all, because I <laughs> this like going into it, I knew that's what we weren't getting. I don't know. What did you guys think? Had you seen it when it came out, and then rewatched it, or have have there been reviewings in in the interim? I only ever watched it the one time when it came out and I was really looking forward to it. And I had been so excited to finally see a documentary about my favorite record, my favorite tour. And then the reality of what actually was going on came to pass. And I was <laughs> yeah. a bit disappointed, I'm not gonna lie. So I never watched it again until now. And then I went into it with a different I don't know. I went into it with an open mind. 
and it started out good again and I was like why didn't I like this and then I remembered as soon as like the first guy who wasn't actually there comes on but I will <laughs> say this I think that you picked a perfect movie at a perfect time to discuss because in the wake of Get Back which has been exactly. a cultural phenomenon Indeed. I feel that this is what this movie could have been yeah, but only. we're on the same wavelength. I mean, there. we had Absolutely. just we've been watching a lot of other stuff sort of in that now in like a post get back world. Like we just watched um, a post get back. Yeah, a, it's a changed world, everything. A world that's gotten back, one could say. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's true. We, uh, we watched uh, Eat the Document and we watched uh, Don't Look Back, Don't Get Back. And right, yeah. <laughs> And uh, I think we felt like a similar way that like what's great about those is that they are kind of I, I mean, I found that Eat the Document especially is kind of like a really fascinating piece of cinema because it does have that sort of raw uh, get back style where it's like just what you want to see. But it's actually also sort of arranged in this artistic and abstract way. This movie, however, I guess we can just give up the ghosts here. The Rolling Thunder uh, Star Wars story, uh, the, uh, <laughs> a Bob Dylan uh, story, is a fake documentary. You could say a mockumentary, I suppose. Um, there, you could. There's people it's in... Not quite a mockument it's not like a mockumentary the same oh, way like a makes, christopher guest makes movie a is. mockery of of documentary uh, <laughs> um it's like halfway between a documentary and a mockumentary yeah there's yeah i mean there's some actors. real stuff in it yeah i mean that's the thing the footage is so amazing right like i want to see eight hours of the real footage yeah, that's exactly yeah. what i was th like the whole way through i was thinking like like there's two things here there's there's the there's the 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 Rolling Thunder review a Bob Dylan story movie by Martin Scorsese that's one thing and then there's also just reels and reels and reels of just the footage from 1975 and that's another thing is that 76 where they uh no it's 75 what about the bicentennial um, uh, they were it's all confusing kind of, about it that, is confusing it? or yeah. were they just the, anticipating the, the bicentennial they were anticipating the bicentennial right. yeah, exactly um but um so those are those are two separate things and where one of them is insanely compelling and just absolutely spectacular all the old footage the other one the you know whole kind of like artificial construct put together after the fact by Sorsese is maybe you know maybe maybe a little more hit and miss depending on your feelings of Stefan Van Dorp why don't we just <laughs> lay that out like what is going on here what what has Scorsese done yeah, so he's uh I mean he's he's uh he's assembled the tour um into these like kind of isolated little clips and to his credit like the clips go on long and they're like f almost full complete songs like you you do get a really great sense for like what the energy was like in the room what it looked like on stage what it sounded like and, like they're they are extended um uh, bits of music and and also behind the scenes kind of looks as well and then in between all of that you get a lot of the standard rock doc, talking head interview, you know, the the old versions of the people who were there at the time and, you know, kind of critics and other hangers on. And some of those people are real people and they are people that were actually there. Bob Dylan, um, uh, Joan Baez, um, uh, Scarlett Rivera, a couple other folks as well. And then some of them are not uh, real people, including uh, Stefan Van Dorp, who was this supposed filmmaker who was shooting all of this stuff at the time. 
which is kind not of the a case. Werner Herzog type fi- figure. Yeah, Herzogian kind of figure, exactly. Very kind of like uh, you know, uh, bloviating and high-minded, um, and and German uh, holier than thou. Apparently, sort of he's is he German? Hitler's husband. The act- yeah, I the, saw the that. guy who actually played who plays this fake documentarian. You mean? Yes. Yeah. What's his real name? Who is that actual guy? Um. He does Good have question. a real name, but that I don't know the answer to. Brett Midler. <laughs> uh, Martin von Hasselberg. Uh, so, yeah, he All really right. is German, isn't he? Wow. Bette Miller, Bette Miller actually shows up briefly uh, in, in the movie from the original footage uh, at the beginning when Patti Smith is doing that weird, like, archer thing. What do you think yeah, of the Patti Smith poem uh, thing, that segment? Started walking in another direction, started walking in another dimension, started walking in another dimension, he moved in another dimension. I move 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 in another dimension. No, this is like sacrilege, obviously. Everybody's gonna <laughs> crucified for this. I've never been the biggest Patty Smith person. So yeah. I'm like, show me more Dylan. That's you know, I'll take yeah. me, you know. I'm gonna have to uh respectfully agree with you on that <laughs> the, what's striking to me in that segment is like it, it embodies something about the whole movie in a way where it's like wow this person re- these people really really want something to happen here like she like wills this uh poem into being a song it's it was sort of cringy to watch it, well, it, it to is. Be I, but for I, me i'm gonna lay out my thesis about the movie here a little bit which is that the entire Rolling Thunder thing is pretty cringy. Wow. But sometimes it's not. Like it's it's, <laughs> it's like so cringy but like then it frequently breaks through into actually being great in a way that you can't get to unless you pass through very risky uh cringy zones. Like the the greatness that this stuff has, the whole Rolling Thunder thing, is kind of like uh, y- y- high risk, high reward. I think it, there must be something to to the whole experiment that like made Scorsese think there was no other way to treat this material than to give it this kind of uh, give in fully to that mythology around it. Um, mm. Maybe he thought it wouldn't work to just cover it or just give you the straight. Uh, footage I don't know I mean I don't know Uh, similarly to get back I feel that because that apparently has been edited and re like put out as different documentaries throughout the years and um, I still just feel like it hasn't quite been done right because that story does need to be told I think and I think we do need to see it because I think a lot of the best stuff the footage is great but having seen Ronaldo and Clara or whatever the two hours you can't not mention that yeah (laughs) There's like so much, and having read the Rolling Thunder logbook, the right. Sam Shepard Sam book about book, the yeah. there's so much more going on than what we see in this Rolling Thunder movie. And so instead of telling this real story, which is very typical Dylan, we can't put it all on Scorsese. Well, yeah, he might have agreed only, like, I'm only going to do it if we do it a certain way. Right. I, I, and I wouldn't be surprised at all. That's very much his personality and his style which is why we love him that's the thing there's like a part of me 
that almost loves that he's like taking it to the very end and he's like i'll never tell you the truth about anything about me <laughs> all right i mean i guess that's that's just who you are but you know i want to know <laughs> yeah yeah i think there is uh, like the the like concept of a post get back world is sort of funny on its face but i actually think there is something there because like like I, i'm think i was thinking like in terms of like modes of production modes of consumption in fact like the reason that that document like rock docs have always been what they have been is because of the way that we view them right like you you would go to the theater you would sit down you'd have to like you know it's like a two-hour experience give or take a few minutes on on either side and you walk out and, and you're done you're on your on your way or it's now on tv that everyone's, like uh, or it's on tv yeah one of and, those and it's classic albums things right and it's chunked out into discrete you know like schedule blocks with commercial breaks and advertising breaks and stuff like that now that people are just at home and streaming hours and hours and hours of shit endlessly like get back for instance like it kind of unlocks a new way to even make these movies about uh, about subjects like this and so like i think that i actually think there is something there in terms of like a post get back world like that that paradigm has now been established like we can do nine hours of beatles footage that's just like it's all in the room it's all the minutiae it's all the crazy weird shit that would never have made it into a two-hour cut where you had to, you know, walk out the door and then take the train down to the st uh, to the to the station and then go to the theater and do all that shit. But like now that now that there is so much more room to spread out on that, like I think I think that there are even more opportunities to work with this footage. Uh, and who knows if that's ever going to happen? Well, I don't know. I think they maybe blew their load, so to speak, because uh, at this point, I don't know. It might be a while before they decide to do that yeah but, i mean i don't think that it's going to happen anytime soon but i think that there is another thing to carve out of this like the success of get back it seems like we all watched all of it right like i think every and, and a lot of people who a lot like a lot of people just got sucked into it i think it just goes to show that like when you have fascinating subjects and fascinating subjects on film that's kind of all you need. Like right. as long as just present that clearly and give people want to be like right there with them. And it's kind of like the closest you can get to like the Beatles, like vlogging what they were doing. You know, it's kind of like how people watch shit anyway now. Yeah, It's like, it's like, you know what it's like? It's like a stream. It's like a Twitch stream. Like when someone just puts on a Twitch stream and they're just like streaming themselves, like making dinner or something for three hours or like playing video games for six hours straight or something. Or making a classic album. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a stream of them in the studio. And you know, obviously there's editing and it isn't actually a live stream, but like it, it has that same kind of hangout vibe. Um, yeah, I mean, that, you're watching, um, the, I mean, this is turning into the Get Back podcast, but you're watching no. <laughs> this band, like, break up, but also, like, do this creative process together, which, like, as an artist is amazing to watch and, like, really inspiring and relatable in some ways, although also at For the same sure. time completely not relatable because they're the most amazing band of all time. They're the <laughs> they're <laughs> literal and, gods among, yeah. among humans. And to, like, hear them, like, talking there was like that one scene that was just audio where John and Paul are talking about George being hurt and they like have a secret language. Like you understand what they're saying, but like they don't even have to like finish what they're saying and like what they're saying doesn't even always make sense. But yeah. I totally like understood that. Cause I was like, sometimes when you're so close to people and you spend that much time with them, you don't have, you can say something that doesn't make sense and they understand it. And right. that was so amazing to see. And there, there is somewhere a version of this footage that could have been something closer to that. Um, 
I, I think we are all in agreement that the framing device used on this movie by Scorsese is a little, or or Dylan, if that was his idea, is like a little. Uh, it just rings a little false in a way that isn't always charming. It, it reminds me of this other thing that a lot of um, very successful musicians, mainly the Beatles and Dylan, I guess, do where they like the Sharon Stone thing. It was like they bring in like their famous friend. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, like Paul McCartney did a video with all, a bunch of famous people. George Harrison just released one like yesterday. Or, or oh, today. yeah. That, that thing everyone wanted to see. Yeah. A, a, a new official video for My Sweet Lord, which is like, I don't understand how it's official when the man's been dead for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> And what does the music video have to do with the song at all? I don't understand. Aside from just having famous people in it, which is like the same thing with the Sharon Stone character where I'm like, this isn't relevant and this is not true. So like, yeah. well, I get it. You can like call in a favor to some movie star, but like, what does that tell me about Dylan? There's a degree of honesty and like, like forthrightness there uh, in, in, um, in the way that they frame it and present it. Cause it's not like they're like, it's not like this was a trick that, that Sorsese was trying to put over on people and like make it seem like this all really like it was it was clear, you know, from but the start. Don't you think some the thing is, if you're not actually like a head, like all right. of us clearly are, yeah. they might not have known that. And a yeah, lot of people that's... were like, oh, yeah, the kiss thing. Like, that's totally true. And I was like, that's the not true at all. Is ridiculous. Yeah. Hey, kiss. <laughs> Scarlett Rivera is, is apparently dating Gene Simmons at the time. Ridiculous. It, it really seems like. Scorsese and Dylan were <laughs> shooting for something kind of like uh, F for fake, the Orson Welles movie from 73, which is, you know, a, a sort of pioneering work of pseudo documentary, meta fiction, whatever, so on and so forth. And uh, mm. it just doesn't quite land, uh, I think, as they expected it to. And because Bob Dylan is is so fascinating on his own with what he's doing that do you really need that extra layer of intrigue and uh, misdirection mm -hmm. the scene with Joan Baez that I was like is this acting or when they talk about how they married why did you get married and she said you got married first and he's like I married the woman I loved and she was like I married the man I thought I loved right and it's a really intense scene but I was like is this Real See, or I th not? <laughs> I think I think that was actual. That was yeah, Ronaldo. I think that was Ronaldo, think that and, was Ronaldo Clara. and Clara footage. Exactly. Yeah, there are a couple like actual bits of Ronaldo and Clara that show up here in restored and recontextualized versions. There's this um, there's this diner scene they come back to a couple times with uh, Larry Ratso Sloman in it also. Um, that's uh, that's something that that shows up in Ronaldo and Clara several times. Um, so I think that that was them trying to act at the time. Uh, you know to whatever extent they actually were acting in the first place. Uh, but obviously that was a very kind of, um, uh, you know, it, it was acting on one side of things and not at all acting on the other. That actually brings me to, to a question that I had that I realized at the end of this. Um, Sarah Lowndes, Bob's wife, is not in this at all whatsoever. Like Bob's wife at the time, rather, who plays a very large role in Ronaldo and Clara, is in the footage, is, you know, one of the stars of the show, really doesn't show up here at all, isn't even referred to. I like That was just a really striking kind of thing to me. I don't know that I have anything beyond that to say, but it was well, like- Well, there was a lot of that. I mean, like uh, uh, Harry Dean Stanton, I was like, you got, they don't ha include Sam Shepard at all, which is a right. huge misstep in my opinion. By the way, you guys probably already know this, but fun fact for those who don't know, when she's writing Coyote, 
it's about Sam Shepard and their affair. Right. And I love that fun fact. That's one of my faves. See, like that stuff is the actual real story of all these romances and like intertwining uh, relationships all through this. And, and honestly, his relationship with his wife, it seems like that stuff is really the most interesting. And it's probably stuff we won't ever get until maybe we live in a post Dylan world. Like, I don't know that he wants to really show the truth of what happened during this right. period because it is weird frankly like so <laughs> yeah like, i mean airing like, airing your dirty like, laundry in a big you know a, a extravagant documentary by one of the greatest filmmakers uh in uh in history is i can see why he would want to avoid doing that and isn't it kind of strange that he would even choose to conclude that like uh sort of love interest th- uh, storyline with um Oh, oh, yeah, Sharon Stone. With Sharon Stone. It's like, oh, yeah. I don't know. There's something about this whole era that is like kind of weirdly horny in a way that's kind of like, (laughs) uh, like they also just felt no issue with being like, um, Allen Ginsberg liked uh, teenage boys. He he wanted to fuck them. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not really a secret uh, if you know anything about Allen Ginsberg, but um, they fully just say that in in this film, and then at least they're not running away from it. Yeah, you're right. Got to confront it head on. Exactly. I mean, there is a really touching scene where uh, no, sorry, maybe not the right word to use. Um, (laughs) There's a nice scene where uh, Ginsberg and uh, and Bob are sitting at Kerouac's grave, and I thought that was a really good. Yeah, uh, that's like what I want to see, you know, more in this type of movie is like these actual sort of unguarded feeling moments where it's like um, there was something kind of spiritual about what they were trying to do in this period. Right. Um, the whole Rolling Thunder thing. It seems like they're, they were shooting for something kind of transcendent through this kind of let's put on a show on a grand scale type of maneuver the closing video clip of, uh, of Ginsburg. Ginsburg saying go out and make your art with your friends or whatever that also you know as a person in a band really rung true I was like that's it's a good message I, I wonder do you also feel like the movie kind of drags in the let's say like middle what happens in the middle <laughs> I don't know the middle was just kind of like all over the place I mean, I think the movie is at its best when the movie isn't really happening and it's just footage of them yeah. on yeah. stage. Like, that's exactly. that's the good shit. Which, on that note... I mean, the footage of them... Yeah, we should touch at on. Gordon Lightfoot's house yeah. is amazing. Like, them just hanging out is, like, really what... I mean, that's what we love about all these other, you know... All these other Dylan movies and other movies about that are, like, fly-on-the-wall kind of thing about whether it's Festival Express or The Last Waltz or uh, Don't Look Back. I always want to say Don't Look Now, which is my other, another favorite movie. Yeah, one of my faves. (laughs) Yeah, it's... You know, it's just like seeing what's actually going on. Exactly, yeah. It's obscured in this, unfortunately. But I think that's intentional. It really, I mean, we know the man. We know him well. Yeah, he, what what is he saying here? He says, like, uh, you know, if... if, uh, you can only tell the truth if you're wearing a mask or something like that. And and if if, if right. a man's trying to talk to you without a mask and tell you the truth, you can 
you can bet for sure that he's lying to you or something like that. And that's intertwined with those images and clips of him wearing this, like, <laughs> ridiculous plastic mask up on stage. I fucking love that well, shit Well, that was so another, much. that's the opening so shot good. of Ronaldo and Clara is he's wearing that weird mask. Oh, uh, it's such a good mask. I love it. I think that this movie is in many ways an homage to Ronaldo and Clara, or Clara, whatever the case well, yeah, is. I mean, it's made, it's literally made of Ronaldo. It's like made of the bones of Ronaldo and Clara. It can't not yeah, be Yeah, I mean, it seems like it was really just uh, Scorsese's attempt to redo that experiment, to, to right. do his own version of Ronaldo and Clara. And uh, I guess it just sort of feels like it would have been nice to have him strip that away strip because that's sort of it's the same problem that plagues Ronaldo and Clara it's like why am I seeing all exactly. this other stuff like that's the thing I think that like, he did that on purpose in a way like he said at the very beginning of uh Rolling Thunder Logbook when he, Sam Shepard first meets him he says nothing has to be connected and he says it to him like out of the blue and he doesn't know what he's talking about and he's like yeah I just tried to pretend like I knew what he was talking about. And he basically then, you know, kind of expands on that to say like, none of the scenes or characters or conversations have to be connected, which it's like, okay, well, I mean, that's a type of movie, I suppose. Right. Yeah. I feel like I could imagine him <laughs> saying something like sort of like the movie itself is wearing a mask. The movie is, well, I think that's is, the, is in disguise. I think that's the concept. Yeah. Is that, is that this whole like fiction that's been surrounded uh, or that's been constructed around the original footage is that, is that mask. And so through that, you're supposed to get some sort of sense of truth or meaning or something out of this. But I don't know, like, I, I don't know that there was that much to, to, to tease out of this in the first place, to be honest. I like, honestly, like if, if they ask these questions, I think of Bob at the beginning, like what did, what did Rolling Thunder mean? You know, what, what, uh, why were you doing it? What was it, what was significant about it? I think like Rolling Thunder was just like having a good time with the homies, to be honest, just like vibing with everyone and like looking cool and wearing nice jackets and hats and playing great music. And like, that was, that was about the extent of it, which is fine. I would disagree only because the intensity of some of the performances to me hints that they're like, actually shooting for something that they're really having a good time spiritually transcend no it's like it's like <laughs> weird it's weirder than that like what what dylan is doing up on that stage with the white face paint and like the like hand movements and the eyes like straight like bolt upright yeah i mean i think that it's uh that might just be cocaine yeah. exactly it might be but can't, can't discount the cocaine but does that make you like put like a mat, like a like a makeup on, and like dress in a weird outfit on purpose for like months. Uh, Have you guys seen this movie where he apparently the real story of where he got the makeup, the Children of the Paradise or whatever? I, no. I haven't seen, but I read about that. Yeah, it, it's from it's like it an Italian be. movie, right? Um, yeah, I think I think maybe it's French. Okay, Italian French, and, uh, same I, difference. I haven't seen. Yeah, same same. Uh, I I haven't seen it either, but it's apparently also like a four hour long movie, and they borrowed like that scene where Jones and White. Um, I don't think it's in the Rolling Thunder movie, but it's in Ronaldo and mm. Clara, and she's like brings him like a rose or something. Yes, yeah. Um, that's apparently like a character in the other movie and stuff. So I mean, I don't know. Perhaps seeing that movie would give us some insight right, and into what also he was a mention thinking of about Commedia dell'arte. They as like that 
Where I remember them saying talking about like it's like music. Yeah, yeah. Bob called it an extension. Bob called the tour an extension of Commedia dell'arte to Razzo Sloman when he was interviewing him for you know whatever. Right. Who knows if Bob was just kind of like riffing on something because he sounded completely hungover in that uh, interview clip. But that's that's what I he claimed. I haven't read that the book that Sloman wrote. Actually, I've only read Rolling Thunder logbook, so that was now on my list of something that I would like to get some more insight into the tour any way that I get can. Into, yeah. He, uh, Larry Sloman, apparently, uh, like people would mistake him for Bob and he like tried to make people think that he was Bob based on the way he like dressed and acted and like even spoke to people. So, uh, you know, he's probably, uh, do you guys think that Bob was, um, ripping John Phillips wolf king uh, of la yeah probably yes def- i mean almost yeah. certainly yeah i mean look at that outfit like look at those album covers even. it's like two it like you know it, we we know the man we love the man he has a penchant for uh you know sort of um creative uh adaptation and creative reuse ripping of, off uh, stealing <laughs> you know evan I, I heard somewhere that great artists or good artists uh something and great artists steal uh, i don't uh, know if you've ever heard that <laughs> never, never heard that before speaking of which i heard uh that there's a cover band a dylan cover band who only plays or as far as i know has only played uh, rolling thunder era stuff and they're in la and they're called joker men what yeah this is who do they think they who are? do they think they are we're gonna have to friend of the show jake longstreth told me about this and i i have to he look said he, into he that. said they rip or he said they he said they rip i said i said they rip us off that's what yeah. <laughs> uh it's fine if they play 80s dylan material i'll let it slide but you can't be playing uh uh oh sister or one more cup of coffee and call yourself a joker man get out of here yeah that's not really very joker man of them it's really not not. especially because they're uh stealing to call themselves the hurricanes yeah there you go that is another aspect of the story which i i don't know if we want to like talk about but uh Let's open that let's, can of worms. Let's do it, I guess. Isn't it a little <laughs> weird to you that part of this whole performative, like, uh, traveling circus is, like, uh, being like, and by the way, let's free this man. Right. Like, doesn't does it not sort of feel like it's part of their show? Like, I guess that could be a criticism if I want to be devil's advocate. Is like, they're just, like, making this into part of their pageantry. But I don't know. I guess. Well, it's I like, mean, they did help. They did help him, him get yeah. out. Yeah, they did actually help him. exactly. And but also, there seems to be some debate about whether, whether or not he's he is actually. actually innocent. Right. Yeah, that was the funniest thing we read when we were reading those <laughs> reviews of Ronaldo and Clara. There was one that was like, "By the way, he probably killed those people." <laughs> like, I'm like, obviously, the prosecutorial misconduct or whatever is not good. But I'm like, you know, you did let this murderer back out on the streets, but. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. If, uh, I don't pretend to know if if uh, Reuben Carter killed those guys. Um, right, of course. I mean, we weren't there. I guess we'll never know. arguably the idea of what they were doing is more important. Um, you know, <laughs> like the idea of furthering uh, justice and uh, you know giving. They had their heart in the right place. That's what Listen, if there's one song on Desire yeah. that that is uh, that is uh, has questionable motives, it's not Hurricane. It's one that comes a few songs later and is even longer and more tortuous than that song. Which song would that be? That would uh, you know, Joey. Come on, 
Oh, Joey. Joey. Well, yeah, that was an interesting choice, too. Joey. That's, that's another really funny <laughs> omission. <laughs> they um, didn't show any Joey in the movie, did they? No, I don't think they. I don't think they were playing Joey at this time. I think the only time that Bob has played Joey is when he toured with when he did the Dead shows in uh, you know eighty seven. Two thousand three. No, eighty seven. He didn't play with the Dead in two thousand three. Yeah, he did. Did he? Yeah. No. No. They opened. I listened to one of those shows recently. They opened with um, with. Uh, silver and gold. Anyway, I think they also played Joey. Listen, so. if Jerry's not there, man, it's not the dead to me. That's what I'm saying. All right, then. Uh, we should talk about the performances uh, on the note of performances um, because that is, I think, the, the most compelling aspect of the... Uh, of the whole motion picture here. Uh, I mean that like we, we, I posted the screenshots on Twitter yesterday, but it'll be sometime in the past by the time people hear this, the, the ISIS performance there towards the beginning is like really just like all time fucking goaded out of this world, like insane off the wall energy. Like one of the best performances I think he's ever given in any context ever. I do think that the performances in this more, more often than not made me, reconsider my previous sort of inflammatory statements about the period i've i've never been the biggest rolling thunder head in the world and i i caught i've caught some flack for it i think as you as you should well i will say that this movie hasn't totally convinced me but there's no we need to get back it yeah i think we need to get we need to get, we need it, to get it back we need to do get get back mode uh until i can that then i will say that i i love this when i can get like raw footage of like dylan making like a tortured phone call to his wife uh saying like like no it wasn't anything it wasn't serious uh, or whatever probably happened uh no the, the best things in this are those those uh, lightning rod performances where he is uh, going, going crazy up on that stage. I mean, those, like I said, those faces he's making are wild. It's like, he's trying to make his eyes go outside of his face. (laughs) (laughs) He's trying to make them go out. And uh, it is, it is incredibly. He's doing a pretty good job of it too. (laughs) Yeah. He looks like it. Even his posture, it's like a warrior posture, like a some kind of Aboriginal tribe tribesman. He's yes, like he's hunched. He's in a down. he's in a sigma stance. He he's literally looks like an ape sigma? up there. Yeah, is that is that what, what Sig- sigma means? Like sigma male. All right. <laughs> Aggressive, sort of powerful, ape. A- a- I think you're ape-like thinking alpha. figure. That's alpha. Sigma no, that's is, sigma is is no, sigma's uh, different. Uh, sigma's like that, but better. I think. Yeah, Sigma is is when you don't have to do the ape like stance because you are you are so advanced that you can you can just uh make someone knock someone over with your with your powerful mind. Yeah, his eyes look like they're about to pop like they're fucking balloons. Uh and the performance is just like so powerful, so spirited. And it's like a song that almost it it sort of takes one aback because the the song isn't like loaded with um 
really strong emotion like if you were to read the lyrics it's kind of just like a fanciful pulpy story it is not like a lonesome death of hattie carroll where that type of fire and brimstone is like really clearly attached to lyrics of extremely weighty well the lyrics on almost every single performance are completely different than what is on the record right. so i mean that's also like are you making this up on the spot or <laughs> yeah i think he probably <laughs> like was probably kind of making it up right before going on in some cases um but uh he makes the song feel important and that's like what else is what it was what do you want an artist to do otherwise make you care about like this guy going to a pyramid uh with a with All another guy and nice. he dies and then yeah he yeah. dies he gets some sort of like ancient disease but then he comes back and he's uh and he's back with his wife at the end it's uh it's uh it's a it's a, it's a parable for a certain relationship that he may or may not have been. Um, it's about tour life. In, you know what I mean? In, it's about being on tour. <laughs> I, I've always been partial to that song because my birthday is on the 11th of Whoa. May, which is the day after. Incredible. He marries. It's like he, it's like he wrote it for <laughs> I, you. The movie says the 5th of May. That was another thing. I was like, come on. <laughs> I know that one well. <laughs> um, yeah, Isis in insane. There's also a beautiful duet that Bob does with Joan um, on uh, um, "I Shall Be Released" in the middle of this, where they're both up there singing into the mic together. They duet several times throughout. There's there's a couple great shots of like the curtain literally going up. I think like the Bob set starting with him and Joan together at the mic singing "Blown in the Wind." It's just like I don't know. Seeing the two of them together on stage is just magic anytime. Like. Especially knowing like how like this was really the last time that they had this kind of relationship um, with one another, like it just it melts my it melts my heart to be honest. I'd love to see it. Kind of funny seeing Joan wear like jeans and a t-shirt or like that more like kind of rock rocker yeah, outfit. Yeah, totally. The thing. She's it, it's like watching a I don't know. There's something about this seeing her like that that feels like seeing a teacher like outside of school who's like right. whoa oh my god totally like i didn't know that you're like a regular person or when she's doing the dancing and she's like doing this yeah doing this thing yes. and like kind of going like not at all the picture of joan baez from 1965 yeah. like i said it's cringe in a way but you know you have to fly close to the sun to get to those 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 moments i mean i don't know if the roger mcguinn moments with Joan dancing are necessarily the high point. I wouldn't say so necessarily. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate Bob giving everybody a, a little bit of a moment, but I mean, it's funny how there was like that, you know, is included, but like, um, I think the song's called Scarlet Tide or something that's in Ronaldo and Clara that she does. And it's so beautiful. Mm. Like one of the most amazing, it actually kind of like turned me on her. Cause like, Obviously, I love her because of her proximity to Bob, but I've never been a super huge fan of hers right. on her own. And that is like such a great performance. I was like, why didn't they include that? I guess well, it was just to emphasize like the wild and crazy world of, uh, the, of the Rolling Thunder review. I guess like another thing about the whole thing, the whole uh, how has it's presented in this movie is like it. I don't know. It almost sometimes feels a little rinky dink like the the way they perform it and i think that they sort of reference this i, I mean it can vary between being rinky dink or feeling like earthy and 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 close and intimate um 
I think somebody talks about they talk about watching them. It's like you're seeing a band play. It's not like seeing Bob Dylan and Joe Baez in this sort of formal uh, concert setting, which is, you know, if if don't look back is like the epitome of that. This is the total opposite. Dylan seeming and and company making this concerted effort to be like, no, we are kind of like rough and tumble. We are just a band on to- where people roam in the countryside. I know in my research that they said that this was like his response to the, to the band tour that he had done the year prior. That was very like arenas and stadiums right, and all that kind of stuff. So he wanted to do this intimate kind of, thing and then they were saying in the sam shepherd thing that it was a secret was it a secret yeah well what they what i think what they would do is like they 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 didn't really have like a a a publicized like schedule of dates and stuff they would literally like roll into town and and you you actually see a couple clips of this footage like guys like walking around a little like podunk nowhere street handing out flyers to to people walking around being like hey bob dylan's playing here tonight or tomorrow or something they would just like show up book like a community center or something and then and then the show would happen and that was it so there wasn't really a way to like um for gangs of of dylan heads and fans and stuff to even follow them and like kind of turn this into a bigger deal because no one knew where to go or like where they would pop up next it was just like you know whatever the the next original like pop-up surprise shows yeah exactly and and i think it really was like totally a response to um to what had happened uh on the the band tour the year before and also you know a response to the way that bob had been touring in 65 and 66 which we saw documented several times just how much he fucking hated that um at least when he was off stage like this was just like hanging with the crew, playing the music, no reporters, no hounds of fans thronging him in taxis and stuff, no people booing him for fucking playing electric electric guitars. It's just, like, everyone's hanging, and, like, you know, you, you gotta, like, I, for one, like, he deserves it. It's great to see all of our friends up there having a good time. Like, he, this is, like, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I just, it, this whole thing gives me warm fuzzies, which is not a feeling that I usually have. Uh, certainly when I'm looking at Bob, uh, but it's nice to have one <laughs> thing that does. Did you notice, uh, sort of uh, changing the subject briefly, the Easter egg, uh, I guess, of um, Scarlett Rivera having that uh, Blues for Allah dead sticker on her violin? Yes. That was crazy. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, it's, a, it's the cover of, of Blues for Allah. It's like the fiddling skeleton, and she's like, this is my little friend on my violin. And I don't um, know what the story is there. Did she play on that record or something? I don't know. I don't know. Is that so? My mom always told me the story about her, him finding her walking down the street. But is that actually true? That's what I've heard. But I, is anything true in this? Yeah, I know exactly. It's but we'll never know. We'll literally never know. I I I think that one actually is is true. At least it's been represented as true. Like before like that that wasn't part of the like you know fiction that they created for this movie like that was it it may well be a fiction but if it is it's a fiction that has that predated the whole fucking Sorsese thing here um I'm sure that it's not exactly true but maybe it's like spiritually true or like you know (laughs) everything is spiritually true well no 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 not everything is spiritually what are you saying everything is spiritually true I'm saying that this this whole thing the whole uh 
Rolling Thunder uh, experiment, it seems like it's all predicated on this idea of like things feeling true, mm. and that's in the spirit in the of spirit truth. of true. And and yeah. like the, I think it is important <laughs> that you've got that that scene with um, Kerouac's grave and Dylan talking about oh, on the road was like you know it blew my mind like wide open when I first read it. Because they really are like kind of, it seems like they're trying to recapture some of that old magic with literally having Ginsburg in tow as sort of like the this shamanic figure who's kind of uh, part of their coterie. It's um, a clean shaven Ginsburg. It was weird to see the well. Know. Sometimes he's that was strange, yeah. unexpected. Really, he's such a. Uh, it it just brings to mind a lot of the strange sort of. I don't know how how much the world had changed from like the fifties to the the seventies there of yeah. like this legendary halcyon time of, of the beat era. And then where they find themselves in the seventies and you just get the feeling that something isn't going to ever be this. Like they, you can't really ever recapture that, that initial magic. I thought the cemetery scene was really magical for what you're talking about. Exactly. Like, watching them talk about the people whose graves they were going to visit mm -hmm. and just realizing like you know how much our idols have shifted and how like we're looking at dylan and ginsburg as like the people right. and, and, and they're talking about like, now and you can and he, he, oh. now he's somebody you can go visit his grave and uh exactly his moments i mean say what you, what you will about him uh i think are some of the best in the in the whole film because he he was still able to be in touch with that that intangible sort of magical spirit and in in his sort of incoherent uh little stump speech at the end which i i think is still be very beautiful <laughs> he's clearly riffing that entire time <laughs> yeah but he it's like riffing in a way where it's very um quintessentially ginsburg it is you know, ginsburg like, yes. your uh, proper meditation your proper art and your work <laughs> and whatever he says uh it is still like it's just off the dome it's like it's just coming from that wellspring of uh creative energy that he you know, he Embodied. was there with all those guys. Like, was, yeah, he was the literal like living link with that like you know uh, uh, legendary kind of past that was already receding into the mid the distant mists of history at this point. You know, seventy five, and has only receded much further since then. Yeah, and then Patty Smith doing that poem. It's like you see how much she wants that energy to still be in the room. Right, and and I think that this whole thing seems to be like an attempt to conjure that whatever that is, whatever that magic, that energy was. And one of my favorite parts of the movie uh, is when there's that chauffeur talking about seeing the show. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. After a great clip, like an incredible clip, uh, that performance with Bob and Scarlett Rivera playing One More Cup of Coffee, I think, right? Or was yeah. it... Oh, yeah, it was either One More Cup of Coffee or, or Sister. Yeah, just incredible. And, and this chauffeur is talking about, like, I've never really seen a rock show before, uh, maybe one or two. And, uh, gee, I guess I was missing out. And it's like, you know, that he, he just happened to see an incredible, like a really special one. That yeah, was one like, of the most legendary performances, like in the entire rock history canon. <laughs> if all rock music is like this, maybe I like uh, yeah, rock maybe music. I like rock music. Yeah, but he, he had some really uh, f wonderful ways of talking about 
uh, what he saw and he says like that there's like a love affair between the the musicians and the audience and it was like a bat one battery charging another and i was like wow who's this like poetic chauffeur i know right seriously that was like really really well said and i mean i i think we all know that energy exchange that goes on but like he really he said it, it in yeah. a way that was so beautiful and bob turns you into a poet yeah just from seeing exactly. him just uh <laughs> just drafting on his uh his fumes um rolling thunder good tour good music good, good music. music it's good music good music the movie you know take it take it or you know, take it for what it is i i should say one other thing uh, just uh, at, at the very end the the lit the the like all the shows at the end where like literally every performance from every year that bob has played since then nice touch love that that was great they do say that was the start of the never ending tour i guess it's the, the unofficial in a way i think the spiritual start it's not literally the start but it's the true spiritually true stuff exactly <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us pearl this was oh man thank you guys so much for having this me this was so yeah, fun. fantastic what we'll have to do it again someday yeah, yeah well definitely. we've got we've got a lot well we, we don't have a lot more bob to talk about but we've got there's a lot more of other things to talk about uh there's always down some the there's always more bob if we want to talk that about is true yeah where can uh, where can the folks find you or follow you or hear you? You're you're not touring now, but you are gonna be go back out on the road next year at this point, right? That's the plan, you know. Yeah, the plan. We'll see yeah. what happens, but yeah, I'm supposed to go to Europe next year. You can find me on all the normal spots, you know, Instagram at Pearl Charles, Twitter Pearl underscore Charles, and on Spotify, and you know, you can buy a record. We got new music coming out soon too. I don't know when this will be out, but. In January, there's a new song coming oh, out. Oh, hell yeah. So. And this, Stay tuned. I think, will come out before then. So, yeah, indeed. Stay tuned, everyone out there. Well, until next time. You who saw it all or saw flashes and fragments, take from us some example. Try and get yourselves together, clean up your act, find your community, pick up on some kind of redemption of your own consciousness, Become more mindful of your own friends, your own work, your own proper meditation, your own proper art, your own beauty. Go out and make it for your own eternity. Mm -hmm.